Welcome. This talk was recorded at Insight LA in Long Beach. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at InsightLA.org. Welcome everyone in person. Welcome everyone online. Um, all right. Yeah, that meditation I had. Um, I think my stomach's gonna growl meditation. Most of it. <laughs> and I was thinking, oh. Um, I remember when I first started teaching, like the early 2000s, I was so nervous. It would have this service at one of the retreat centers I lived at. And I couldn't eat like before the talk, you know? And um, we were meditating and I thought, oh man, it's so quiet. My stomach's gonna growl. And so I I would time when I would talk, my stomach would start growling and then I would give an instruction. <laughs> and I still use it today. I was doing that. Am I gonna, oh, hey, where's your mind? <laughs> That's common. And how many of you have had the, um, I think I'm gonna cough meditation. I think I'm gonna sneeze meditation. Did I turn my ringer off meditation? <laughs> What if it goes off? Yeah. Um, yeah, so thought today we'd, um, you know, explore the topic of getting unstuck, uh, getting unstuffed, which is kind of, um, kind of an open type of, kind of a, could be very general, like getting unstuck, what's that mean? Kind of getting unstuck in the mind, getting unstuck, kind of that feeling of being maybe we're a little bit stuck, you know, in in a pattern in, in life or pattern of mind, an emotional pattern, all that stuff. Um, yeah, getting unhooked from things. So, you know, generally speaking, when, when we're thinking of getting unstuck, you know, looking at the the three poisons of attachment, aversion. And ignorance. This is very common, you know, to to bring up. And the opposites of generosity. So instead of attachment, generosity. Instead of aversion, compassion. And instead of ignorance, uh, wisdom. And, um, you know, I was thinking like, really at the at the very core level, like before we kind of get to really explore those things in the moment <clears throat> we really need to practice uh, mindfulness you know, really basic kind of being here with what is and trying to trying to find a place of of almost comfort being with the uncomfortable and the unpleasant and kind of pausing and looking instead of following whatever the, that being unstuck means to us, kind of following that dialogue and all of that. And so, um, you know, I thought of that. And, and then I thought, well, I don't want to talk about mindfulness because that's boring. Like mindfulness so played out, you know, <laughs> got to find something clever and new. Uh, but then I just kept coming back, you know, to, to real mindfulness and, and exploring that a little bit. But 
but also a couple of things came up, which was a kind of, two things is that um, like I'm going to be stuck, right? I'm going to be stuck, like being stuck. And again, you can kind of fill in the blank here of something that comes to mind for you, but being stuck is just part of samsara, you know, getting stuck in situations. I'm definitely stuck in situations in life that are out of my control. So there's a, there's a bit of just kind of giving in to that as, as part of the life experience. Um, that there's going to be things outside of my control. I'm going to feel maybe that sense of, of being stuck if I allow myself to do so. And then the other side of that is I'm not stuck at all, right? Because it really, really turns into more of like a relative truth, ultimate truth thing and an outer inner thing, right? So like outwardly, I might feel stuck. Inwardly, I've never been stuck, right? I live uh, near the Tibetan center, you know, on Fourth Street, um, and I see the monks walking by almost daily. <clears throat> it's great reminders uh, of a lot of things, but one thing I notice is like the routine. Like for when they're walking all the time, they always have a mall in their hand, and then you know, from living at Tibetan centers. I can kind of vibe into their routine. It's very routine-based. And I think in one hand, in a way, they're stuck because they don't have a lot of ways out. Like if they wanted to, to leave, they don't really have infrastructure to leave. They don't have a way to, to uh, earn an income, a lot of them. Like say if they wanted to disrobe. In a lot of ways, they're stuck. Inwardly, I feel most of them are free. <laughs> they seem very free and I've known some of them and they exude nothing but like this sense of, of freedom, right? Because again, looking at cultivating the, the generosity, you know, the wisdom, the compassion, you know, things that, that free us from the mind of attachment, of wanting, of needing. I need this to be like this and I need this to go my way and all of that. Right? There's so much freedom and spaciousness in that. And I think that compassion part, especially like having self-compassion of I'm feeling stuck and it's okay to feel stuck. Like really meeting that with a big, a big chunk of compassion and kindness. Yeah. For ourselves. And again, the energy of feeling stuck, very, you know, contracting energy, the experience of, of compassion, very expansive. So always moving, you know, looking for that. Where is the expanse at, right? Where's that expansiveness? So going back to, to mindfulness, I think it's been a while, I know, since I've kind of gone through basic mindfulness. Um, but traditional mindfulness. So I want to un just uh, unpack it a, a little bit. Um, so funny, I remember you, Paula. I remember I would say, uh, since you know, I use a lot. I use often John Cabot Zen's um, instruction for mindfulness because it covers most of the bases. You know, paying attention to the present moment on purpose, non judgmentally. 
I like that framework. Uh, but I teach it a lot. So I'd say it really fast, paying attention, present moment on purpose, non-judgmentally. And I say, you know that, and we just go on and Paula's like, Hey, slow down. <laughs> just what are you saying there? Paying attention, present moment. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, so I'm going to really slow down. Paula, you're going to tell me to speed up here in a moment. Uh, paying attention. This often gets confused as mindfulness, right? Paying attention often gets confused as mindfulness itself. But if you were to look at a college classroom or any classroom and you see the students paying attention to the professor, you don't say, look at all those meditators meditating, right? So we could definitely pay attention without being being mindful. You know, it's kind of like this just habitual thing, paying attention. But it's definitely the start. Like we need to pay attention. So just like, you know, the subtleties, which I just I kind of geek out on the subtleties before, like this feeling, speaking of getting unstuck, like paying attention to all the subtleties that lead to the even the cognitive recognition that I feel stuck. Or something like I have an aversion to something, right? What are, what are like the emotional subtleties? Kind of like seeing some seeing a car coming like in the desert, seeing a car coming from like miles and miles away. It's just like just a little blip, you know. But sometimes we don't we don't catch it because of the lack of practice of mindfulness. We don't catch it until it's like right in front of our face, speeding by. You know, very impactful, right? But with enough practice of being awake and aware of those subtleties, that's like, oh, way in the distance there, I get almost like a, a felt sense, like a pressure almost coming, you know, like something in the distance coming, you know. So that level of attention, like attention, right? Looking at the four foundations of mindfulness, mindfulness of, of body, mindfulness of emotions, mindfulness of feeling tones. Wait, yeah, feeling tones. Mindfulness of body, mindfulness of feeling tones, mindfulness of mind mindfulness of phenomena you know but looking not just these really concrete things but you know i'd love to practice like when things are neutral because again like we practice today like what are the nuances like staying curious and listening like what's actually here paying attention on that you know more subtle level of what's here so paying attention the thing that separates out mindfulness from pretty much all the other different, you know, meditation techniques, of course, mindfulness is just a meditation technique, but the main thing that separates mindfulness out from the other techniques is what is paying attention to, right? And is paying attention to what? What is mindfulness paying attention to? What's the object of mindfulness? Breath is one of them. Yeah. Because the breath is happening when? Right now. Yeah. So it's paying attention to the present moment. Right. I think Buddha was really skillful here in really um, emphasizing mindfulness and, and paying attention to the present moment because that's where the insights come from. Right. Because we're paying attention to reality. If we pay attention to a mantra, pay attention to <clears throat> something we're visualizing, something like this, it's really good for shamatha, for concentration, but there's not a lot of insight 
But if you're focusing on the breath, then you notice impermanence because the breath is impermanent. Sounds of the cars are impermanent, right? Sensations in the body are impermanent. So those three marks of existence of dukkha, unsatisfactoriness, emptiness, impermanence. Every time we pay attention to the present moment, we get insights. And insights lead to the relief of suffering. So he's very skillful there. He's like, hey, why are we focusing on an inanimate fixed object or a mantra or something like that, which, which they do have really great properties in stabilizing the mind. But he's like, what we're after is the insights that free us from suffering. So let's pay attention to the moment. And our society, I think, has taken off because it's portable, right? It's a very portable you can do this anytime, anywhere. So it's wonderful. We don't need to be living in an ashram or any kind of center or be a monastic and all that, right? So paying attention. What are we paying attention to? Present moment. And then the third one is my favorite one. How are we paying attention? And it's my favorite because was my favorite because it's it's kind of everything, which I'll unpack that in a moment. But it's also my favorite because it gets missed. Like paying attention when we're speaking of mindfulness, paying attention doesn't get missed. The present moment definitely doesn't get missed. We'll be here now, like being the moment, like everyone's, you know, talking about that. Non-judgment, that gets in there. But this one's called on purpose. Paying attention to the present moment on purpose. This is everything, really. And this might sound a little bit abstract, because, but I'll just do it. Paying attention to the present moment on purpose. Because what shows up when we're doing it on purpose, what shows up is what we're cultivating mindfulness or access to, right? What shows up is wakefulness on purpose right if you take a yoga class what's your favorite yoga pose if if you don't say shavasana you're lying it's shavasana everybody knows it's shavasana you're just lying down that's it that's everyone's favorite pose what makes shavasana a yoga pose It's after you're done everything. Yeah. <laughs> and what makes it a yoga pose? Because you're just lying down. You're doing it on purpose, right? It's like that intention. You're bringing intention. You bring in wakefulness. If you look at the, the silly instructions of breathing in and know that you're breathing in. What? Like, that is profound? <laughs> like, you think about it, it doesn't sound too profound. Eat and know that you're eating. Feel and know that you're feeling. Thinking, know that you're thinking. Doesn't sound like much. Why is Buddha, why is that the, the core instruction of the Satipatthana Sutta that every, you know, clinical training and everything is based upon? Like, why is that still around? Breathing and I know on purpose, and I know that I'm breathing that I'm awake, feeling, and I know that I'm feeling. 
I'm awake and I know that I'm awake. I'm aware. I know that I'm aware. So what is showing up? When we're doing it on purpose is everything. That's what we're connecting to. It's it's the wisdom, right? It's the opposite of, of delusion, opposite of, of, of ignorance. You know, my pup Wolfie, he could, <clears throat> he's a Zen master with a, with a dog treat, right? He's amazing. But he's not necessarily doing it on. If there was like a, a loud sound outside, we might rush to the window. Some of my steal your purse. You're paying attention, but you're really not aware, not really awake, right? So there's a difference. Paying attention to the present moment on purpose, I'm awake. Then this last piece is non-judgmentally, paying attention to the present moment on purpose, non-judgmentally. What's interesting about this one, and I was just teaching a group like last week, I totally confused the heck out of a member in the group there. She's having a very hard time with this. Um, but uh, paying attention to the present moment on purpose, non-judgmentally. Non-judgmentally is something we don't need to say. It's more of like, an invitation to check in. But notice, if you're paying attention to the present moment on purpose, then you're in awareness. So let's take for this example, let's take mindfulness of mind, right? If you're paying attention on purpose to thinking, like thinking mind, like thoughts are arising, it's impossible for you to have judgment because awareness has no judgment. Because awareness is that which is looking at judgment, right? Because judgment is nothing more than thought arising. And awareness says, like, when we say my thoughts, who owns the thoughts? My emotions, who owns the emotions? My body, who owns the body, right? We're getting back to the knower, the noticer, the owner of those things. So, if we're doing those first three, we're obviously we're automatically in that non-judgmental quote unquote state. We're connected to that, right? Because awareness is non-judgmental, right? That which is looking at sadness is not sad. When sadness goes away, your awareness doesn't go away. You don't go away. Thoughts go away, you don't go away. Wakefulness, right? Wakefulness. So paying attention to the present moment on purpose, non-judgmentally. And now here's the here's the uh, the 180. Is that is that mindfulness? Is it mindfulness? We've just been talking about mindfulness. Is that mindfulness? What's that? There you go. Lars said, well, talking about it, it isn't. That's exactly it. I said that as a, at, a, at a group one time, and this person said, well, it's sounding like it's not it. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, I don't think it is it. Yeah, exactly. But Lars is saying, well, talking about it's not it. Right. That's the, that's the instruction. That's the instruction of mindfulness. But mindfulness is your experience of the instruction, like your experience. And this is a really big thing because intellectually, conceptually, 
it almost seems like it works, like just hearing about it, like, oh, paying attention, like, you know, like if I have something come up, like, I'll just like kind of pay attention to it, you know, and just be non-judgmental. But see, being non-judgmental like that is an intellectual concept. Awareness is actually an experience. Wakefulness is actually experience of something authentically, naturally, uh, innately arising and available in every given moment. Very, very different. If your friend came back from a foreign country, they told you all about Italy or wherever. They said, it's amazing. Ah, it's just like this. The food's like this. You know, Would you know Italy? You wouldn't know Italy. You have to go to Italy. We have to do the practice. So I think a lot of this getting unhooked really comes down to like this very basic um, practice of unhooking ourselves moment to moment through mindfulness. Of course, where the when the rubber meets the road, you know, it's just something coming through our our wakefulness, our our awareness, noticing that it's here, paying attention to the present moment on purpose. The non-judgmentally part is that, that this thought's not good or bad, and I don't need to grab hold of it. It's the very definition of unstuck, right? Like freedom. Freedom to choose what do I want to think about and what do I want to let go. Absolutely insane. That's so amazing. The freedom to choose what do I want to think about, what do I want to let go, what do I want to nourish and nurture and cultivate. So cultivating the wholesome, abandoning the unwholesome, unbelievable, unbelievable skill. Then what am I? What's the experience like when I'm not grasping onto something? What's that experience like? Who am I? What's that experience like? Right. And then like, what if, because it's not always possible, right? For these bigger thoughts, but what if our most suffering thought, like those really sticky ones, like we're thinking you're talking about getting unstuck, right? We don't care about getting unstuck with mundane things. Right? We don't get stuck with mundane, mundane things. But let's say your most suffering thought came by. And you were able just to meet it with non-judgmental compassion awareness. Hello, thank you for coming. And a thought only knows how to do a couple things, right? It knows how to, it knows how to arise, it knows how to abide, it knows how to go away. That's it. And so, you know, one little other piece of re review here, you know, it's all kind of review, but it's such a, a perfect, um, or an, I should say important review to have, which is, you know, getting unstuck is you know, going back to those subtleties. Like if we, if we get it when it's nice and small and we really tune in, and we're tuning in consistently. So we're noticing these things. We're not letting it build up, not letting it get super strong. So it could come and our mindfulness could burn it up, right? But if we if we hold on to it for too long, it becomes like a stump. And it's and it and instead of the flame of awareness burning it up, it actually snuffs out our awareness, right? And that comes from holding on, from grasping mind, from that attachment 
that aversion. So if I was to hold this for just a moment and set it down, it's no problem. Easy breezy, no problem. But if I was to grab this and hold on to it for 10 minutes, 20 minutes, a couple hours, five years, <laughs> very, very heavy all of a sudden. Remember, a thought's like tofu. A thought is nothing. There's no substantial quality of a tofu. I mean, of a tofu. <laughs> There's no substantial quality of a thought. Right? A thought, a thought, a thought weighs nothing, right? Has no place of origin, has no shape, has nothing. Right. So it's what we give the thought. So when you say a thought's heavy, how how does a thought get heavy? That's a worrisome thought. How is it worrisome? Right. So just like tofu, like we season it and it's neutral, arising a thought. Upon arising, a thought completely non-substantial, completely empty, completely empty. Like I said, I could hit you on the head with a Kleenex and that'll that'll have more force than than a thought. You know. But we give it that meaning and that attachment, right? And then it's a more consistent meaning. All of a sudden, we're like, well, I'm really kind of stuck here, you know? I see a hand raised there, but if you don't mind, we're going to go into some groups, and then we're going to open it up for a bigger Q&A, if your question could wait just a, a few minutes. So yeah, we're gonna we're going to move into into groups and um, into smaller groups, and just you know maybe speaking and just kind of sharing our wisdom on how mindfulness uh, has helped you get unstuck, you know from from certain patterns um, of thinking of being like how how it's helped. If you're new, just how you think it 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 might be be of assistance, and not only other uh, not only mindfulness, but other things that help you get unstuck. It might be, you know, one thing I didn't mention, a huge thing I wrote down here I I missed is like, you know, definitely mindfulness and even Buddhism and everything is not um, all encompassing, right? It doesn't fix everything. Like one of the best things that we could do when we're stuck sometimes is get support right just like reach reach outside of ourselves and call a friend you know connect with sangha um get professional care like whatever we might need right so sometimes getting unstuck means just you know getting getting outside of ourselves and um but you know i was speaking today more on on things that are relieved by kind of inner resource tools yeah, so you could you could speak to those things. So if you're in person, go ahead and turn towards your friends, maybe groups of three, no greater than four. And if you're online, I will put you in small groups. Um, just give me a moment. <laughs>
Welcome back, everyone online. Okay, so yeah, as um, yeah, per usual, just kind of checking in. It's seeing if uh, people want to uh, chat with a larger group. What came up for them? Um, yeah, either online or in in person. You just raise your hands, and if you do speak in your in person. When you speak, go ahead and speak up because um, so we could um, have the online people here as well. Yeah, we don't have our owl today. Yeah, I love today's talk. Thank you so much. The idea of stuck made me think of several different ways that it could play in my practice. And one is that like in life, sometimes I'm feeling stuck it's because I have an expectation of how I want things to be instead. And I have to realize that that's an expectation, you know, sort of like um, uh, the feeling of boredom is the feeling that you want something to entertain you in this moment. And sometimes you just have to be with the absence of something stimulating or entertaining. And that's what the practice is. And so sometimes my, my stuckness is about Sort of like bigger sets of expectations and i have to see that you know those aren't what is yeah <laughs> this is what is. Um, yeah. but i also talked in our group about you know the uh the incredible stuckness of procrastinating mm. when there's something i have to get done and then i feel a version big one so yeah i don't do it mm. and then it still has to get done and mm. so then it stays with me and then i continue to have the aversive experience each time I need to, I should be going to do that and I do something else instead. Yeah. So like I'm stuck with the aversive <clears throat> feeling coming again and again until I be with the aversive experience and to be with it and get the thing done. Then I'm actually free of mm. that loop. Yeah. To me, that's a very stuck kind of thing where mindfulness of the aversion mm -hmm. can be the pathway for getting out of it. I did my taxes this weekend. Everybody. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. Procrastination, you know, being with that. And um, I had a similar just, you know, experience with procrastination because I'm like a professional uh, <laughs> procrastinator. And so, um, but yeah, I, I totally started just giving up and being like, I'm just going to go meditate. I'm not going to try to do anything. I'm not going to try to do it. And I'm not going to try to distract myself either. Like like what you're alluding to, I'm just, I'm just gonna stick with just what's this feeling like? Like what is procrastination? It's so interesting. Yeah, and that's definitely helpful. Thank you. I think you're muted. So yes. yeah. Um, well, let's see if I can if I can explain and say what I want to say. Um, sure. Seven months ago, my brother passed away. Oh, I'm um, sorry. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, it was, you know, horrible. Uh, he used to live in Mexico. Mm. Uh, he left a little girl of eight years old. She's mm. eight years old. And uh, before that, I was, I had a regular practice. I was trying to be mindful. And uh, well, uh, since he passed away, it's been horrible. I went to Mexico City to be with my family. I already went three times since then. I am an empath and I absorbed everything, all the sensations, all the feelings of everybody. 
Mm. But uh, I was so tired. I I I didn't want to meditate. I didn't I didn't make any kind of effort to practice. Yeah. And when I came here again to home in San Diego, I was so overwhelmed and tired. And uh, and little by little, I I started to listen to your thoughts. Mm which have been so helpful. So um, I appreciate everything that you do for us, really. Sure. And little by little, I started to pay attention to my thoughts again, to observe my thoughts Mm. and trying to be mindful again. So this talk that you just gave, it's like the right words that I needed to listen to. Oh, wonderful. So it's so helpful to be, again, to bring my practice and be present, no judgment, moment by moment, with an intention. Mm. So it's so helpful and so simple and so powerful. Yeah, yeah. Just the power of mindfulness. So uh, thank you, Casey, again. For sure, for sure. Thank you, and, Lynn. And um, we're just everyone here. Maybe just for a moment, just send Sarah and her family just some some meta. Just sending loving kindness your way, Sarah. Holding you, your emotions, your love for your brother, and extending extending this out to your family. Just holding all of you in compassion. May you all be well and at ease. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Um, you mentioned how when you began to talk, you were like, well, I, I don't know really what I want to talk about. I was like, talk about mindfulness, it's so boring, but maybe something else. Then, <laughs> but you kept listening to the mindfulness come back to you. Mm-hmm. And you did it. That's what you did it on. Mm-hmm. She just had that experience, and I had an amazing experience today, too. And, and it seems like it's resonating with everyone. And so I, I just love that that to me is sort of mindfulness and action where your your brain is saying one thing and all this chatter about what should be or maybe you know what what zippity do could do. This <laughs> really well uh of a message kept coming back to you that you you know turned toward and then mm-hmm. received mm-hmm. and then created this today. And that's what's available to all of us. Yeah. Through being mindful. Mm. I like that. Thank you. Yeah, for sure. Insight. Let's see part of your hand, I think. Yeah. Yep. Thanks, yeah. Casey. Great talk. Oh, thank uh, you so much. You know, your your topic, uh getting unstuck. You know, I I uh have been meditating for a long time and I, I've noticed that. So many of my thoughts are just karma. Mm. Just, you know, I'm not solving anything. Um, I'm not intentionally thinking anything. 
the thoughts just come from nowhere um, on their own and go back to nowhere. Um, I've I started to use the analogy, I don't know where I heard this, but thoughts are, are like, uh, you know, your saliva, your, your salivary gland secretes saliva and your mind secretes thoughts. Mm -hmm. And 9% of them are just. <laughs> you know, that's literally a, a teaching, right? That's in the text. I, okay. And I've heard it. Yeah. 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 That, that's, they would be like, yeah, just like, yeah. Just like the mouse secretes saliva, the, the heart beats and the mind produces thoughts. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. It's, it's great. Yeah. And it, it's, it, it's interesting because I, I remember early on, you know, I, my self-identity was these thoughts that, uh, and then the more you watch them, the more, you know, you see they're silly, they're ridiculous, they're, you know, whatever. Um, and they're, they're just coming and going. Yeah. And it, it uh, you know, you get to a point where you're not, no longer identifying these thoughts as my thoughts, mm -hmm. you know, it seems like the the thoughts are just coming and going and you're more identifying with the space or you know i i use the analogy of you know thoughts are like clouds in an empty sky and you start out identifying with the clouds and then later on you identify your self-awarenesses of the cloud of the sky mm -hmm. and thoughts feelings and perceptions are just coming and going coming and going you're just watching them Mm -hmm. And you know, <clears throat> so it's at that point you're not feeling stuck, and you're not even feeling like there's a you. You know, they're not even my thoughts; they're just thoughts. Um, they're not any different from the bird singing in the tree outside. Uh, they're just perceptions coming and going, and so. it seems that that leads to a lot less suffering, um, a lot less attachment. And, uh, you know, it's a beautiful practice. And yeah. thank you very much for your talk. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, something come, came to mind when you were talking, Anthony, like, who's stuck? <laughs> right. And I, and I love that you brought up, like, the identifying of mine, of course, and me and mine, you know, with the thoughts and Sometimes I wonder, like, when does a thought become mine? You know, like my thoughts, my emotions, but, you know, thoughts come out of nowhere. And it's not like we ordered them. Like we order Amazon, but we don't order a thought, right? It just appears. And it's like, at some point we say, I was thinking, but were you? <laughs> There's thoughts. I don't know if you were thinking or not. They're appearing. And I always, I think it's interesting that sound appears in our consciousness, too out of nowhere, but we never self-identify as sound. But for some reason, why we identify with things in closer proximity and habitually over time, those become like a self of some kind. It's interesting. Like a pain, even though I say my body, if I hit my hand and the pain becomes strong, I'll say I'm hurting is interesting. Or sadness is arising, but I'll, at some point I might say I'm sad. So um, yeah, it's, it's interesting to experience that when that thought goes away, I don't go away. Like you were saying, Anthony, like, oh, I'm the sky. 
the sky never thinks it's a storm. The storm comes, goes, you know. So. All right. Uh, so let's sit one last time. Just dedicate the merit today. The one one thing that we touched upon lightly here and there is just gratitude. And this is one thing that can definitely offset, you know, that feeling of stuck. Like, oh, I'm stuck. I I want this or that, but look at what I have. So just tuning into gratitude for this time, this time together to connect with the Dharma, connect with friends, connect with Sangha, connect with ourselves. And just wishing this for others, wishing this for our family members, our communities, our neighborhoods, our cities, states. And eventually all beings. What if we all can, what if we all could connect to these inner resource tools that relieve our suffering and lead, lead us to more generosity, compassion, wisdom? What would this world look like, feel like, be like? May all beings everywhere without exception, may they all be happy truly, truly happy and free from suffering. Thank you. You have just listened to a recording from Insight LA in Long Beach. For more information, please visit us at insightla.org.